If you'll find your place in Colossians chapter 2, it's where we're going to be this morning as we continue through this New Testament letter of Paul, the book of Colossians chapter 2. We'll be there in just a few minutes. If you need a Bible, there's a paperback copy in front of you. If you don't own a Bible, that's our gift to you. You certainly take that with you. And the words will be on the screen here in just a few moments. But Colossians chapter 2 is where we'll land. Um, I imagine if you're here and you're a parent, uh, you can relate to having maybe at some point been in a situation where you knew your children were at risk. Maybe you can relate to a situation where you knew there was a threat to your kids and you sensed it and you knew it and you were ready to move into action. Well, I came across this little story. Actually, my wife read this story to me several weeks ago, and I thought that's exactly what I want to try to capture today as kind of an illustration to get us going. It's a true story about a woman in Texas, and this woman had two kids. Her name was Dorothy Baker. She had a two-year-old and a five-year-old, and she was coming out of CVS. She got in her van, realized she had left it unlocked, and when she got in the van with her kids, there was a man in the back of her van. And he came to the front of the van there and sat down next to her. And as the story goes, she told this report later, he pulled a knife on Baker, the woman, while she was driving and demanded to, that, that they stop at the ATM to get money for him. So obviously she immediately realized there was a threat to her and a threat to her kids. Now what this woman does here, you may find a bit surprising. She said later in an interview, at that moment, I took my fist and I hit him in the face to try to get him out of my car. When that didn't work and they continued on, the man realized that this woman was not going to be easy prey, so to speak. The woman continued driving and then says, Baker intentionally drove her van into a telephone pole in hopes of sending the man through the front windshield. That didn't quite work. He was actually able to get out of the car. And as the story goes, when he got out of the car, well, she said, I thought if I would hit the pole, he's not wearing a seatbelt, he'll go through the windshield and at least hit his head. She said, that's all I was really thinking about was just how to get him away from my kids. So eventually they came to a stop. The man ran out of the car and the woman at that point in her van chased him down and literally ran over the man with her van. She said, I didn't mean to run him over. I was just trying to stop him so he wouldn't hurt anybody else. The man was airlifted to Memorial Hospital close by. Later in an interview, the woman says this. She said, I did what I had to do. You just don't come after a woman with kids. I told him that he had messed with the wrong mom. (laughs) Now the point of that little story, the true story is that as parents, we have a sense When our kids are threatened. And when there's a threat posed to our kids, we're ready to move into action and we're ready to do something. And you felt that as a parent. It's with that idea that the Apostle Paul is writing a letter to a group of people in the city of Colossae. A group of believers because he's aware of a threat to them. And if you don't understand that, then you won't understand a lot of Paul's language that he uses. He, he knows there's a threat there because remember, Paul's in prison. He's in Rome. Epaphras was the founder of the church in Colossae, evidently. Traveled 1,200 miles from Colossae to Rome to sit down with Paul and say, Paul, I, I know you can't come there. Here's the situation. What are we going to do? Paul said, well, tell me what's going on. He said, well, things are good. There's some health there, but there's threats. Some men have come into the church, and they're telling things that look like the truth, but they're these lies that are beginning to infiltrate the church. There's these guys, and they're 
They're getting involved in life groups and they're beginning to sway the conversation. They're beginning to, to have influence over people and they're distorting who God is. They're distorting the gospel message. They're distorting what it means to be a believer, how to walk with God. They're just distorting all of it, Paul. And here's what Paul does. He responds as a parent. And he realizes there are threats to his children in the faith who he's never even met. He knows them through Epaphras. And out of deep concern, like a, like a parent springing into action because he knows his kids are in danger, he writes the letter of Colossians. Now we're going to pick it up in chapter 2. We're going to begin in verse 1 and it'll, it'll help you understand why Paul says some of the things he does. So he begins to write. Chapter 2, he says this, For I want you to know how great a struggle I have on your behalf. For those also who are at Laodicea, that was another town near Colossae, and for all those who have not personally seen my face. He said, I've got a struggle here. So Paul, what's the struggle? Well, if you write in your Bible, you circle that word struggle. The word struggle is literally the word agon. We get the word agony from it. It's a picture of those who are who are in an athletic competition, wanting to advance, wanting to strain, wanting to put in the effort and the work to advance forward. He says, there's this internal struggle, this desire to see you grow, to see you mature, to see you advance. I don't want to see you as merely infants in Christ or Listen, there's no such thing as a stationary Christian. You're either advancing or you're going backwards and you walk with the Lord. He said, I want you to go forward. He said, I have this great struggle. Now, remember, if you've been reading through the book of Colossians, which I hope we are, we have a reading plan that you can follow online. We're, we're digging down into this book together. But in chapter 1, Paul is just gushing of things that are true. Over and over, he says all of these incredible things that believers have because we are in Christ and Christ is in us, talks about the fact that we've been delivered. We've been transferred to the kingdom of God. We are citizens of a kingdom of God. We've been reconciled. We have peace with God. God has exchanged our hostility for friendship. Then you get to Colossians 1. He says, Christ is in you. He reminds them, listen, this, this gospel message is not willpower religion. It's not try harder, do more. It's transformation because the God of the universe in Christ comes to indwell you and transform your life. And it's like he's saying, I want you to know all that is yours in Christ. I want you to grow. I want you to excel. And he says a few things specifically in verse 2. He says, he says, I'm struggling, I'm laboring, I'm desiring to see these things in you. First he says that their hearts would be encouraged. He says, I want your heart to be encouraged. The word encouraged is, is literally the word to come alongside of someone. It's a coaching metaphor or, or almost like a parent that will, will come down alongside a player and they'll, they'll come alongside him and they'll say, I want you to grow. I want you to advance. I'm going to show you how to do it. I'm going to walk alongside you. It's like Paul is saying, man, if I could get out of prison, I would come there and walk alongside you because I want you to grow. I want you to be encouraged. He said, I want your hearts to be encouraged. Now we hear the word heart. And we think, well, the emotions, he wants them to be happy. Well, it's much more than that. When he says the word heart, he literally means the center of life. He means, he means that place where decisions are made, the, the center of thinking, the decision of our will. It's this idea of the decisions we make, uh, the, the perspective that we have, our thinking. 
He says, the way you see things, the way you think about things, I want you to be encouraged in truth so that you see things rightly. Remember, he knows there's a threat. He's saying all these things with the backdrop of this threat. He says, I want you to be encouraged in the truth. I want your hearts and your decisions to be rooted in what's true. And then he goes on, he says, being knit together in love. The word knit together is a beautiful word. It means many pieces brought together in one. It's this idea of unity. It's this unity of the parts. Paul says, it's not believers, children of God, that I I want you to be knit together. He says, you are knit together by nature of being in Christ. Now there's a reason he's saying this. He's saying, if you're a follower of Christ, he's speaking to believers here. He's saying, you are knit together with other believers. You're not a solo Christian. You're not lone ranger out there doing your own. God has placed you in a body. He has knit you with other believers. Paul, why are you saying that here? Hang on, you'll see. He says, I want you to be knit together in love. Love is the outward demonstration of the unity we have as believers. Love is Christ in us, loving one another because of the unity we have with each other. Later on in Colossians, it says that love is the unity of the body. It's that which holds us together. It's the glue that holds us together as we demonstrate our unity towards one another. Paul says that's so important. Paul, why are you saying that here? Hang on. Then he goes on. He says, I want you to, I want you to reach all the riches. Man, that's such a strong word. He says, there are riches that are yours. It's like as believers, we, we, we can sometimes live as such paupers and such, and I'm not talking about material necessarily, but I'm talking about the spiritual blessings that are ours in Christ. He says, there's so many riches that are yours in Christ. He says, I want you to know these riches. Particularly, he says, I want you to know, follow with me, the riches of full assurance. The word assurance means firm conviction. Confidence. It's, it's the exact opposite of being swayed to and fro by the wind or the wave that comes in. Like a, like a ball out in the ocean. Man, wherever the tides go, that where that ball, that where that, that's where that ball goes. He says, it's not that. He says, I want you to know the riches of conviction and stability and help that you're not tossed to and fro by everything that comes down the pipe. He says, how do you, how do you grow in that assurance? We use this a phrase here. He says, The full assurance of understanding. What does that mean, Paul? What Paul's saying here is incredibly practical for us. You've got to listen to this. He says, listen, assurance, this stability, comes by this level of understanding. Understanding means to put it into practice. He's saying, I want you to know the truth, what God says, and then here's how you're going to be assured that it's true. You're going to put it into practice. You're going to live it. You're not merely going to be a hearer of truth. You're going to live it out. And Paul says, when you begin to live out the truth of God's Word in your relationships, in your finances, in your home, in your business, in your child raising, every year of your life you become convinced and believe God's Word is true. And he says it's like an anchor. There'll be this assurance of understanding. Listen, a lot of us practically walk through our life and we lack assurance and stability. One of the reasons is because we're only hearers of the word. 
You know, we hear the preaching, we may occasionally pick it up, but we never, listen, this thing applies to every area of my life. God speaks to the way I deal with my marriage. God speaks to the way I live my finances. God speaks to the way I conduct business. God's word has something to say about that conviction, he says, to, to live this out in every, every area of my life. And there'll be assurance, Christ in you, living out the truth of God's word. So, okay, Paul, why are you saying that here? I, I kind of get all that. Unity, I get that. The unity, the, the love that we're to have, it's so important. This, this encouragement of our mind and the way we're thinking that will not be tossed to and fro. This assurance that we desire. Okay, I, I get all that. But Paul, why are you saying that here? Hang with me. He says on in verse 2, the end of verse 2, he says, This is going to result in a true knowledge of God's mystery. The word mystery, you remember last week, is something that's now revealed that wasn't known in the past. It's truth that's now revealed. That is Christ Himself. That God has made Himself known in Christ. Verse 3, He says, In whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So He says, he says something else. He says, You've got to know this. Believers, the Christ that's in you, to these Colossians, with the threat looming, Christ that's in you. In Christ are hidden all the riches of wisdom and knowledge and understanding. What does that practically mean? Well, here's what that practically means for you and me and for the Colossians. Listen. By nature of being a human being created in the image of God, every single one of you have, will, and will in the future ask why questions, how questions, where am I going, what does it all mean, what's the purpose, how does it all fit together, how do all these things relate together, what is my reason for being here, do I matter? All of those questions of identity and purpose, you are asking them, you have asked them. It's because you're a human being created in the image of God. I have a Labrador Retriever. My Labrador Retriever is not on our back porch pondering the deep things of life. Because my Labrador Retriever does not have the very image of God. It's not made in the image of God. You are, and I am. Every single one of us wrestle with those questions. You've you got to know something. Missionally speaking, every single human on the planet are wrestling with those questions. I, everyone. We all need to know what's the big picture. How does it all fit together? So Paul goes real practical to to the believers. And then he says, and and in Christ, you've got to know this, that in Christ are found all the riches of wisdom and knowledge. You will not even understand the world you live in apart from Christ. Paul, why are you saying that here? Verse 4. Remember, Paul knows there's threats to his spiritual children. And he says, you've got to understand, I want you to be encouraged in your thinking and that you think truth. I want you to be within the protective, the protective body. I want you to know the Word of God and apply it to your life that you have full assurance. And I want you to be convinced that everything you're seeking for is ultimately in Christ because there's men, there's threats that are trying to lead you astray. Verse 4, Paul, why are you saying this? I'm telling you this so that no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. There's your answer. Paul to his spiritual children is saying, listen, 
There are those that are trying to deceive. The word deceive means to lead to the wrong conclusion. It means to take down a path of falsehood that leads you to the wrong conclusion. He says there are people that are leading you down a path of falsehood and they are doing it with well-crafted arguments. Well-crafted arguments literally means this. They are talking you into something. It's like an infomercial. You turn on your TV and you flip on an information and you say, okay, here's the situation, here's your need, here's what you've got, but here's what you really need. And if you really get this, no matter what you've got, and I guarantee you, promise and success, this thing will chop onions like you've never seen and it'll change your life. They're talking you into something. Listen, here's what I want you to know and here's what Paul's saying. There are constantly voices around you that are trying to talk you into believing a lie. Constantly. They enter our lives through media. They enter our lives through books. And sometimes even Christian books. You ready? And the goal is to deceive. And the goal is to delude. And the goal is to take us down a path. Paul says, listen, I understand the threats. I understand what you're hearing there. I want you to be so assured. I want you to be so deeply rooted. I want you to be so connected to other believers. That you're not straggling behind. We'll talk more about that in a minute. Paul gets even more, gets even more bold in his language. Look on down to verse 8. He says, see to it. The phrase see to it literally could be translated beware or watch out. He's amping up the, or he's amping up the intensity here. He says, guys, watch out. It'd be like your child walking around the edge of a swimming pool if they couldn't swim. Think about that. You'd be, watch out. You fall in, watch out. So he says, watch out for what, Paul? See to it, watch out, beware that no one takes you captive. Man, he's up, amping up the language here. The word captive literally means to carry off like a kidnapper, to lead astray, to lead someone from the freedom of the truth into the slavery of error. He says, there are those that are attempting to take you captive. By, how are they doing it, Paul? What does it look like? Guns and knives? No. Even more serious. By philosophy and empty deception. According to the human tradition, according to the elementary spirits of, or elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. Paul, what is the threat you're talking about here? The threat and the phrase he uses here is the word philosophy. Philosophy means a love of wisdom. Now listen, I've taken philosophy classes. Philosophy in and of itself is not wrong. We're not saying to pursue truth and be on the search and ask questions is wrong. That's not the point of all this. What he's saying is beware of philosophies. And the word philosophy literally means a system or a theory to explain things. The word philosophy literally means... A development of theories about God, about man, about the, about the world, about the meaning of it all. It's systems of thought. Some truth may be in there, but it's packaged in lies of how to see the world, how to see yourself, how to see everything, how to see your relationship with other people. Listen, every one of us are a philosopher at heart. 
because we're constantly asking questions. How does it all fit? How does it all make sense? What is the meaning of it all? And as these philosophies come down the pike, these traditions of men, all these different things come from the heart of wicked men, we latch on to some of these. And here's what Paul says. This is huge. Now watch this. When it is lies involving who God is and who you are and how the world works and how we relate to God and how we relate to one another, when those things are lies, listen, it is not merely a difference of opinion. To hold on or be suckered in or be taken captive by something that is not true, even though it smells true, it may look true at the beginning, even though it's wrapped in a nice, pretty Christian book, is not merely a difference of opinion. Listen, Paul says it will lead you into bondage and captivity. That is serious language. Paul says there's threats. There was something going on in the church at Colossae called the Colossian heresy. And that's what these guys were beginning to teach. They were beginning to teach this misdistorted view of who God was. and That God didn't really create the world. God was spirit. And that there were these emanations that had come from God throughout all of history. And thousands and thousands of emanations. And Jesus, oh by the way, just happened to be one of these emanations. Somewhere along the lines, one of these evil emanations created the world. So the world itself is evil. Matter is evil. Our bodies are evil. It's all evil. God is good. And the only way you're ever going to know God is through this supernatural knowledge that's out there. Or we, these really lofty teachers, we have the knowledge. But this idea of Jesus and this idea of the Bible, the Bible's not enough. It's not sufficient. The gospel of Christ is certainly not enough. I mean, you want to know this God that's out there. We're going to walk you through the way you're going to know God. And there's these programs you're going to have to follow. And there's these traditions you're going to have to keep. And pretty soon, here's what happened in the church at Colossae. What was at risk of happening? (laughs) The simplicity and purity of walking with King Jesus became distorted. And the freedom and life that was in Christ was replaced with bondage and enslavement to lies. Now listen, Paul is writing and talking to believers. Can we be duped? (laughs) Can we buy into a lie? Listen, you can buy into a massive lie. A guy on a white shirt comes to your door and knocks on it riding a bike. That's a big lie. Mormonism, it's a big lie. Or you can buy into a smaller lie, so to speak, that says my real value before God is what I do in my performance. And pretty soon, your relationship with God is dependent upon what you do. And you ride the highs and lows of that. And you are ultimately the essence of what you do and what you perform. Both are lies. And both lead to bondage. And Paul says, listen, my children, I love you. I want all that is yours in Christ. I want the fullness that God has for you. But there are threats. There are threats. So he says these threats come in the form of philosophy, empty deception. Say, where do these threats come from? I mean, where's the, the origin of them? He answers that in verse 8 too. He says the traditions of men... These theories that grow over time and are handed down from generation to generation that originate with the faulty and extremely limited, sinfully flawed reasonings of man. They're rooted in the elementary principles of the world. What does that mean? The word elementary is a really neat word. It's it's the ABCs is what it literally means. He's saying ultimately these 
theories of the world and these theories of who we are and how it all fits together, all of these come from the basic things of the world that man can see, that he can observe, that he can take in. But we're limited. And what Paul's trying to say here is in Christ, infinite God, creator God, who exists outside of space and time, you want to know how it all works, you want to understand truth, you want to understand yourself, it's got to come from the infinite being, not finite little limited man. can't. Francis Schaeffer said this, man cannot begin with himself and expect to arrive at ultimate reality and truth. Doesn't work that way. Let me illustrate it for you just a second. It's the best I can. See, sometimes our own theories and our own understandings of the way things work and these things we buy into that originate just with man, it's like a fish in a fishbowl. Now think about that for a second. I mean, think about a fish tank down in your, your den, and in, inside that fish is a little guppy, you know, a little guppy floating around, right? All he knows is that fish tank. And you go to that little guppy, and you say, hey, guppy, can you explain to me the design of the upstairs of this house? That's all you get. Hey, Mr. Guppy, can you tell me how to get out in the yard, and, and how to mow the grass, and how, to, how the kitchen works, and can you explain to me anything else about this house? And the guppy can only blow bubbles, and the reason is, one, because it's a guppy, and two, because all that guppy knows is that little tank. That's you, and that's me. We live within the confines of space and time. We're finite, we're limited. The idea that we can arrive at ultimate truth from our own our own thinking, or some lofty teacher, and that's what Paul is saying, is ridiculous. God had to speak into our lives and come and walk among us and reveal himself. And in Christ, all the fullness of God is revealed. It all makes sense and comes together. And that's what Paul's trying to say. He's saying these guys are going to come and they're going to peddle their theories. They're going to peddle their ideas. They sound pretty good. But you've got to understand, they are rooted in the traditions of men, their own extremely limited, faulty reasoning, sinfully flawed, and they're based on the elementary principles of the world, what they can see and touch. Finite man can never arrive at ultimate reality. We need God to step into our existence to explain it all to us and he has any theory about God the world mankind that originates with man is limited flawed and to hold to it will eventually lead us to bondage never freedom so Paul says there's threats here and you guys got to know there's threats to you and threats to me and I've I mean, you could list thousands of the isms and asms and spasms and teachers that are out there that are spewing lies. You understand, we are surrounded in a sea of lies. And the intent is to lead us astray ever so subtly in our understanding of God, our understanding of self, understanding of others, understanding of the world. Ultimate truth is found in Christ and His Word. So Paul, is there, is there a better answer? Is, is there help with this? Back to verse 8. Let me read a couple more verses and we'll finish. Paul says, see to it that no one take you captive through philosophy and empty deception according to the tradition of men. We just read that. According to the elementary principles of the world. Rather than according to Christ. And then Paul's going to say, listen. It's not complicated. God has made himself knowable to us. It's not some mystic, ecstatic experience out there. He has come to us. Verse 10. For in him, Jesus... All the fullness, completeness. You want to do a word study, follow the word fullness or completeness through the book of Colossians. All the fullness of who God is dwells in Christ. All of it. 
100% God, 100% man. In other words, God has ultimately made himself noble in Christ. There are thousands and thousands of theories out there how a person can know God, how you can grow to know God deeper. You can do this experience. You could chase this. You could chase that. Paul says, listen, Christ is the fullness of God. You want to know God? Pursue Christ. Christ. And then he says, listen, you want to understand who you are? You understand who you are as a believer? Let me just sum it up for you. He says at verse 10, And in Him, in Christ, hey, you've been made complete. Listen, if you write in your Bible, I, I think I would double underline that and triple star it. In Him, you have been made complete. Because every single one of us as human beings, are asking the question, I know I'm flawed, I know there's imperfections, where can I find my completeness? Maybe a relationship, maybe a job, maybe a promotion, maybe this experience of knowledge, maybe better education, nothing wrong with any of those things, but listen, none of those are your ultimate completer. Scripture says, in Christ, Christ in you, all the fullness of God in Him. Listen, you got to hear, you have been made complete. That's why Paul is saying, listen, you're threatened because you're pursuing other things that you think are going to make you complete. These other ways of thinking, these other false systems, all these different practices you think are going to take you up to this next level of godliness. In Christ, you are already complete. You want to know God? Jesus is the fullness of God. Paul says, don't complicate the message of the gospel. He says there are these threats. That's the origins of the threats. Truth is found in the person of Christ. So, what do you do with this? So very quickly, let me try to make this a little bit practical to us. I think it's very practical as it is, but it's probably easy to sit there and think, well, okay, okay, Mike, I, I'm not, I don't believe this false system. I mean, I pretty much believe what the Bible says, and I, I'm here, and I, I pretty much, but listen, this, this is not just a positional truth or reality. So we go, okay, I believe this camp. I don't believe it. This, this is a daily decision you make. Daily. You say, I don't understand. What do you mean? Well, listen, we, we again daily are surrounded and bombarded with the voices and the messages that are explained to us how things work, how we relate to God, how we relate to each other, who you are, who I am, how the world works. It is a daily decision to determine because I know the truth, I know the realities of Scripture, that those things that are coming in, wait a minute, that, doesn't, that does not line up with Scripture. That makes sense, but that's not what the Scripture teaches. Therefore, to clutch to those things that are not rooted in Scripture and founded in Scripture may sound pretty, may sound nice. The Bible says will lead you to bondage. Some of you are here experiencing bondage even as a believer because you are believing and holding to a lie. A lie about yourself, a lie about your past, a lie about your future. Here's, what, here's the greatest thing for, for identity and self-esteem in the world. Ready? Here it is. What does God say about me? That's freedom. You want to read the rest of Colossians? I don't even have time to get into it. Chapter 2, he says, as a believer, you are complete in him. All your sin is gone. Your debt that you owe, nailed to the cross. You are complete in him. You are right in God's eyes. You are made blameless. You are holy. You are complete. You are in Christ. Christ is in you. And a whole lot more that goes along with that. 
So daily we can listen to the voices that surround us or daily we can this. We can pursue the person of Christ who is infinite God in the flesh, creator of all that is, possesses all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, who has always existed, will always exist without any limitations whatsoever and has stepped into our world and into our existence to make himself known as the living word and through the written word of God. Don't complicate. So, as means of application, what do, we, what do we do with this then? It's a daily decision. Let me give you the answer to this question and we'll be done. So, Mike, how do I avoid these threats that are out there? How do I stay away from these threats? Well, remember how we started the message? Paul listed several things that he desired for the believers. And then he said, I'm saying these things because I know there are people there that are trying to delude, to delude you and trick you. So remember these. Here, here's how we do it. I'm going to give you four things very quickly. Just review. He said, how do we avoid being led away into deception? Number one is to daily, as Paul says, encourage our heart by renewing our mind in the Scriptures. Daily. That's why we have plans like reading through Colossians. And that's why we hold out the living Word to, of God to you. You will choose and you will pursue that which looks the most attractive out there or which is the most believable. But if we're not in the Scriptures daily renewing our mind, we will begin to believe something that's a lie. Paul says, I want you to be encouraged in your heart with the truth. Secondly, Paul said, listen, I want you to know the the unity that you have, this, this oneness of believers. Here's your second one. Press into the protection and unity with other believers. This is massive. Being a believer, a follower of Christ, is not just about coming to church on Sunday morning. You are part of a body of believers. You are part of Christ's body. You matter to the other parts. The other parts matter to you. And there is protection that is found within the body and in healthy community. For example, I buy a book. I start reading something. I see something on TV. Man, it starts to appeal to me. I start to pursue that. And really, at the very root of that is a lie. I bring it to my life group and I say, Hey guys, listen to what I heard about this. And somebody in your life group loves you enough to go, Hey, that's a bunch of bunk. <laughs> that may sound good, bro. But you got to understand, you understand, that has nothing to do with Scripture. And if you pursue that, that's going to lead you down a path of destruction. You need that in your life. And you need to be that voice within the body sometimes to go to a brother and say, listen, man, I know you think this is going to help you. I know you think this that you're pursuing is healthy and good. But you got to understand at the core of this is not the gospel of Christ. It will lead you into bondage. Do you understand there is protection in the body of Christ? Practically, and I say this because I love you, those who live on the fringe are targets of the enemy. That's the way it works. The Old Testament, the Amalekites came after the children of Israel, and the Amalekites were these warring nomadic tribe of people that wanted to kill the, the nation of Israel. And you know who they targeted? The weak, the weary, the lame, and those who ran at the back of the pack, the stragglers. Trying to live on the fringe and say, you know, I want to kind of do my thing and not press in the community. You're making yourself a target of the enemy. And finally, Paul says this. He says, okay, Paul, how do, we, how do we conclude this? Well, he concludes it for us in verse 6 and 7. I'm just going to read this and we'll close. In fact, the team can come on up and just begin to play. 
I'm going to give you some time to respond to this in just a minute. But Paul, how, how, do, we, how do we wrap all this up? Well, he does it for us right here in chapter 2, verse 6. He says this, Therefore, he says, Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. Walk is the way we live our lives. He says, the, the way you came to know Christ, that's the way you walk with Christ. Verse 7, he says, Having been firmly rooted and now being built up in Him, in Him, in Him, and established in your faith, just as you were instructed the truth and overflowing with gratitude. He says, the way you walk with Christ is the way you came to Christ. And God made it very clear to you. You, became, you realize, man, I'm needy and dependent and broken and helpless. I need Christ. That's the way you walk with Christ. God opened our spiritual eyes and we realized Christ is the image of God. He is the Savior. He's my life. He's my joy. He's my source. Guess what? That's how you walk with Christ. And you place faith in the, you trusted Him to do what He said He was going to do and you knew what He promised to do. That's the way you walk with Christ. You know Him. You know what He promises. You walk in faith and obedience. That's how you walk with Christ. There's a place in Colossians that says, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians 10. The Bible says this, Paul was talking about another group of believers. And he said, I worry about you. And I fear that the enemy has led you astray from the purity and the simplicity of Christ. Christ. Paul says, listen, don't complicate it. Don't make it some mystical experience out there. Jesus, God has come to you. He has made himself known. He has given us his living word. He is dwelling within us. Don't be led astray by all those theories of man that are out there. Be deeply rooted and firmly rooted in the truth. And the truth will set you free. Would you bow your head for just a minute? In a second, we're going to stand and sing together, sing a song of truth. But I want to... I just encourage you right there where you're seated for a moment. Just you and the Lord alone. Not anybody looking around. Or we're going to be finished here in just a minute. Listen, before the Lord this morning, I'm not sure how God's used His Word in your life, but maybe you're here today and you're believing a lie. You're a Christian. You know Christ. He lives inside of you. But man, you have grabbed onto a lie. And it manifests itself now in your life as bitterness, frustration, anger. Because you are holding to something somewhere in your life that's not true. God knows it. Turn from it. Confess it. Lord, forgive me. Lord, help me. Help me pursue the truth. Maybe you're here this morning and the Word of God just simply has no place in your life. Oh, the storehouse of riches that are there for you. Maybe you're here this morning and you're on the fringe. I'm not touting a program. I'm just saying as a church, we're a body of believers. We need each other. Don't be on the fringe. Those who live on the fringe, you are a target for the enemy. And you may be here this morning. and You wear the Christian t-shirt. You go through the motions. But simply put, Jesus Christ does not live in you. You do not have Christ in you. You've never been transformed right now at your seat, right there where you are. Just you and the Lord call out to him. In faith, believe. God, I need you. Jesus, you're everything and I'm nothing. You've died. You rose again for my sin. You're willing to take my sin upon you. I give my life to you. I need you. Trust the Spirit of God to lead you this morning. 
want to pray for you and we're going to sing. Lord, thank you this morning for your truth. Thank you for your word. Would you now do your work in our hearts and our lives and our decisions? And God, help us to respond in grace to your truth for your sake. In Jesus' name.